about expansion last week. So let's pray. Let's get into the word. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We bless you for your goodness towards us. You're so merciful. You're so kind. You're so gracious. We're so appreciative of your goodness towards us. Being your greatest gift, being Jesus. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we are restored and redeemed and brought back into right fellowship with you through the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who teaches us how to live in victory in every area of life. And we thank you for the written word that serves as our guide to correct us, to instruct us, to reprove us, to build us up, to edify us. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the man of God that you've given this vision to, to see people win in every area of life. We thank you for every family that's represented here. We call them blessed and favored by God Almighty. We thank you now as the word goes forth that we are open to receive the word. And that we declare we will be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. You have your Bible or your cell phone, whatever you use to look up stuff, lift it up. Say, this is my Bible. Say, you got, listen, it's hot. You go, we go all have to do a little better. I'm going to need your energy too, okay? That sounded real sad and pitiful, all right? Let's try again. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am about to be taught. The life-changing word, word of faith. Faith comes, faith comes by, hearing, by hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing. And, hearing. and, hearing. and after I hear, after I hear believe, and obey, believe and obey, I will see the word, see the word in, my life. in my life. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about expansion, and we're to, last week we started talking about how God is kingdom-minded. Is kingdom that he's expansion-minded. Let's start with Matthew 6 and 33. Matthew 6 and 33, very familiar scripture. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. So it gives you an order. And the order is to seek what first? Is it working? Can you make it white? Oh, all right. Can you practice and make it white before next week? Thank you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be 633. 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So it gives you an order. It says the first thing you need to do is to seek the kingdom of God. Told you last week that the kingdom of God is God's way of thinking and God's way of doing. The kingdom of God is not the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is a place. It's where God dwells. But the kingdom of God is the way God thinks, the way God does things, which is why you can bring God's thinking and God's doing into your life and create heaven on earth, right? It's righteousness is Jesus. Tell your neighbor, say, it's righteousness is Jesus. So after you have accepted Jesus, the next thing you need to learn how to do is think like the kingdom. After you accept Jesus, the next thing you need to learn how to do is think like the kingdom. How does God think? 
How does God respond? How would God respond to this? How does he respond to disease? How does he respond to shortage? How does he respond to people who are offensive? How does he respond? So our goal is after we get saved, the rest of our life is spent learning to think in the way that Jesus would have us to think so we can act in the way that Jesus would have us to act. The challenge with that is that that's why we see so many believers and people are like, are they saved? Because you can accept Jesus and never renew your mind. And so there are a lot of people, and, and what the challenge is, is that people go, oh, well, these people are hypocrites. They're not hypocrites. They're just unrenewed. And so because you're saved because you believe Jesus died on the cross. I'm going to help some of y'all. You're saved because you, help, you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sin. You are not saved because you live right. You are saved because you believe right. Now, in order to get right living in your life, you got to think right. And so it's not the question of whether people who still curse, who still drink, who still fornicate, whether they love God or not. The question is whether they've learned enough word to renew their minds. Amen. Amen. I, I know some of you grew up thinking that you had to get saved every week every time you did something. But if you got to get saved every week every time you did something, then the blood not very strong. And, and, if, and if God could raise Jesus from the dead after three days, he can keep you saved even if you're crazy. The problem is, is that if you don't think like God, you will live in a way that does not reflect what God has done in your life. That's why some of you are going to be shocked when you get to heaven because you're going to see some people. You're going to be like, how they get in the same way you got in? They got in because they believe right. You go, and they go look at you and they go say, you, was a sin, you, was, you went to church, but you were so mean, I didn't think you was going to make it. See? So a lot of people are going to be shocked by the people that they see because you don't get into heaven because you do right. You get into heaven because you believe right. And we believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for all our sins. Right? But if you want to live the John 10 life, have life and have it more abundantly, you got to change your thinking. Pull up 3 John 2. 3 John 2 says it this way. It says, Beloved, above all things, I wish that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. FOC, I know we go over this a lot, but everybody doesn't go over this a lot. So we need to talk about what's in our soul. Your soul has five parts. What are the five parts of your soul, FOC? So I'm going to tell you so you know. So your soul is your mind your will, your imaginations, your intellect, and your emotions. How many of you know sometimes the right thing to do, but your emotions catch you up and you do the wrong thing? Because your mind can have a word that your emotions are not disciplined enough to walk out. You see it in little babies. A little baby thinks they can walk before they can. So they start trying to do the stuff like walking. you like, you already trying to walk. Baby, your legs aren't strong enough to walk. Some of you, your emotions aren't strong enough to obey God because you don't think about obeying God. Let, let me give you an example, right? So the Bible tells us that we should be long-suffering, that we should be patient, that we should be kind, all those things. How many of you know that's what the Bible says? But sometimes some of you, maybe not the people that's here, but some people who go to church say things like, but if you mess with me, I'll put my religion down. 
Now, what you have just meditated on is that if you get in the right situation, you have not meditated on obeying God. You have meditated on what you go do to handle the situation. And because that's what you meditated on, that's what you do. Husbands and wives know this well. You'll pray about something. The Lord will be like, when they say this, I don't want you to say nothing. And what you done said to the Lord, now this is what you done told the Lord. I'm not going to let them talk to me like that. Because if they talk to me like that one time and they think they can get away with see. The Lord was trying to discipline you in your emotions to keep your mouth closed in precious situations. But your emotions were not disciplined enough because you did not control your imagination. Because in your imagination, what you said was, as soon as he say this, I'm going to talk about him and his mama because I can't stand his family. I'm going to tell him you ignorant because your mama didn't raise you right. Right, you don't went back talked about his grandmama, his great-grandmama. You done done all of that, but you did it first in your imagination, which got your emotions involved, which is why you couldn't keep your mouth shut. So if we're going to change our lives, when we find out the word of God, we have to begin to imagine doing what God would have us to do. Imagination is powerful. I have a master's in sports psychology. A huge part of sports psychology is the process of visualization and imagery. One of the things that we know is that once you know how to make a layup, it is more beneficial for you to make a layup in your mind than it is for you to make a layup with your body. Because if you practice making a layup with your mind, your mind can correct the places that you mess up faster than you can doing it in practice. It is the reason that they tell athletes that you got to see yourself shooting the free throw. You got, when, when we were teaching Taylor to shoot free throws, I would say, see yourself at the line, see all of the people, hear the ball bounce, see the crowd, hear them yell at you. Now, one by one, take the voices out till it's just you and the ball. That's what you have to do as a believer. I see they talking crazy. I see what my checkbook says. I see what the news says. But I'm going to take all of that noise out and train myself to obey God. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, God will help you obey him, but he won't make you obey him. God will help you obey him, but he will not make you obey him. So people say stuff like this. Well, if the Lord want me not to be so angry, he'll take it away. No, ma'am, you must give that up. You must give it up. Because it is hard for the Lord to take anger away from you when anger is your badge of honor. When you love to tell people how you go get them told. I wish she would. I hope she do. You see what I'm saying? You see what you're doing in your imagination? You see what you're doing with your emotions, and then people go, why is it so difficult for me to obey God? You haven't done any internal work to obey him. Why is this important? Because the Bible says if you have to, that you seek the kingdom first, you find out what God thinks about certain things, how God thinks about how you should treat your wife, how God thinks about how you should treat your kids, how God thinks about how you should treat the people on your job, even if they're crazy. I, I just want to parenthetically insert this for everybody who has prayed for a job and then prayed to leave it. Okay, I'm going to help you. 
You prayed for a job, and now you're praying to leave it. Part of the problem with most believers is that you think that everything God gives you is just for you. Now, what God gives you is for you, but it's never just for you. And that's the reason that every time you're in an uncomfortable situation, you want God to deliver you instead of trying to figure out how you can change the situation. All right, that's okay. So you go, you got all us fasting for you a new job. You want us praying. You come to Wednesday night Bible study for a new job. You inboxing me, texting me for a new job. And then you get one difficult person on your job. And you ready to go or fight. Because it never occurred to you that the promotion God gave you would be for you to be a blessing to somebody else. Never occurred to you for that. So the question that I'm asking today is that as you're asking God for increase, are you actually even kingdom-minded or is all your increase really for you? It's okay. Isaiah 55, tell your neighbor, say, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Isaiah 55, it tells us, it says, for your thoughts are not like my thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. My thoughts are higher than yours. He says, but if you, if you put my thoughts in your heart, They'll produce something in your life. One of the challenges with the body of Christ is that the body of Christ erroneously believes that all the goodness God is trying to get to you is just for your comfort. Selah. So you say, I know God wouldn't want me on this job working with all these devils. Well, first of all, the Bible says that the devil was under your feet. So how are these so-called devils vexing you? Because most people don't walk into a job believing that they're on a kingdom assignment. Most people don't walk into a situation believing that they're on a kingdom assignment. Most people don't get married believing it's a kingdom assignment. That's why it's so easy for you to quit when it gets tough. Because you never thought about that if God put you with somebody, it's going to be some adversity to learn and to live with somebody. I know, I know. You, the problem is you watch too many movies. When the movies, here's what happens. Girl, boy, they meet. They fall in love. They have a conflict. She gets on a plane. He runs to the airport. They live happily ever after. <laughs> Only in the movies. In the real life, if you go get on a plane, he might move your stuff while you gone. <laughs> so if you don't understand that your life is for the kingdom, if you don't understand that your life is for the kingdom, then it will be difficult for you to do the things that are uncomfortable that God will ask you to do. So listen, so like people say this all the time. You know, I don't go to church because somebody at the church hurt me. Well, you had a job and somebody hurt you, you still went to work. You, you, you break up with everybody in your family who hurt you. The challenge for you is that you don't realize that being in the kingdom requires relationships. And in relationships, people get hurt. And because people are so selfish, people always focus on how they got hurt, never conceiving that they potentially hurt somebody else. All right. 
Y'all sound good in Presbyterian this morning, quiet. So here's the question I want to ask you, just a little self-reflection, because the Bible says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Jesus may be your Savior. Is he your Lord? A lot of people want to be saved. They don't want to have any submission to anybody. Not to the Lord, not to their boss, not in relationships. So just because he's Savior, is he Lord? Well, you can measure whether he's Lord or not. When he tells you not to do something, what do you do? Because if you do what you want to do, he may be your Savior, but he's not your Lord. Because if he's your Lord, it's, I think it's important to tell people this. Being a believer is the best thing you can do in your life. Whatever you would come up with as plan B sucks compared to what God has for you. But walking with the Lord is not always easy. Because there are some times that the Lord tells you to be quiet when you want to keep talking. There are some times when you want to walk away with, from some people and the Lord tells you to stay. There are some times when you like to move and live in San Diego by the beach. Jen, me and Jen. <laughs> and the Lord say, not yet, not this time. And so if the kingdom is comprised of people who only do what they want to do, how is the will of God advanced? And what's so interesting about those people is that they want to go to churches that give them their best, but they never give anything to the church. I need the praise team to be on point. I need the greeters. I need five touches before I sit down. I need the pastor to be entertaining and educational and short. I need children's church to be on point to help my bad kids not be bad. But I'm going to come, I'm going to get, and I'm going to leave because I have no concept of kingdom mindedness. So I'm going to pray for increase when in my heart I never even intend to use the increase beyond my own family. Amen. They're like, dude, what is this? Who talks like this on Friends and Family Sunday? Some of you need to do better at your church that you came from. You, you may not ever come back here again, but you should do better at the church you, that you go to. Instead of just going to church and thinking about all the stuff that you can get, whether the word was good for you. Listen, did you ever think about this? That God might divinely have you sitting where you're sitting today because the person beside you need to hear, need to feel your touch, need you to laugh with them, need you to do something to them that actually changes their life. We literally had a young lady come to church one time. We didn't know this. But she came to church and said that she was going to kill herself after she left church. The people loved on her so well that she didn't kill herself. But I know, I know, I know. Because you know what? When I come to church, I'm not really coming to church for people. I'm coming to church for the word. And I don't want you to sit too close to me. And God forbid that you got to sit right next to me and I don't really know you. And, and God forbid that I actually got to turn and tell my neighbor something. Because I'm so concerned in getting the word for myself that I don't even think about the fact that when I say to somebody else, you're amazing, I'm glad you hear it might change their whole life. The kingdom is about people. How are you going to be in the kingdom and don't like people? 
people are messy, so are you. People don't always do the right thing, so don't you don't either. People are people and so are you. And until people matter to you, you can never advance the kingdom. The praise team practice, the praise team practice for the people. They can sing to the Lord at home. I prepare to preach, Pastor Ellen prepare to preach for the people. I can preach this at home, not even get up out of bed, roll over, just start talking to Ellen about this. We do what we do to touch people for Jesus. Not just unsaved people. Because what good does it do to get people saved and then bring them to church and treat them like they don't matter? We need to get more people saved. Yeah, but we got a lot of people right here in this community who save and don't fool with church folks because they've encountered church people. So you got to ask yourself, am I a good person to sit by in church? Am I willing to get out of my comfort zone if I see that somebody looks a little sad, if somebody looks a little lost, if somebody looks like they're not sure if they fit in? Oh, did it even occur to me to pray this morning? Lord, let me touch one person in church that needs to know how much they matter to you. Think about this. Until you give Jesus your life, you will always struggle to give him your will, your time, and your money. I was thinking about this. This was the most profound revelation because I'm always trying to figure out why people who say they love God have so much trouble doing the stuff God asked them to do. And it fundamentally comes down to the fact that he's not Lord. Because whatever you love, you give to, Right? If you had a father and your father never gave you anything and he said you love him, that he love you, you don't believe that. Because what you know is that all good daddies, you get their last french fry. They don't even want to give it to you, but you don't even know it. They just give it to you. So, I'm asking you to ask yourself, are you kingdom-minded? Because the Bible says if you judge yourself, you don't have to be judged. One of the things that I think is very interesting about us as human beings is that when we mess up, we want mercy. When other people mess up, we want them to have justice. You mess up with your spouse, you want to apologize, and you want them to let it go. They mess up. It's 17 days later, and you like, that's like that Thursday, the last Thursday in January when I was on my way to work, and you said X to me. How can you want to have your own stuff thrown away, but you can keep a record of everybody else's? Amen. So why is this so important? Because God wants to increase you. Tell your neighbor, say, God wants to increase you. But if you can't be faithful with a hug, you know you ain't going to take your money and bless the kingdom. I hear people say, 
I don't want nobody to touch me in church. Okay, I get it. Maybe everybody don't like hugs. I don't like hugs. But, dude, I can fist bump. Hey, what's up? But you don't want nobody to touch you. You don't want nobody to speak to you. You don't want nobody to sit by you. That's not kingdom. Kingdom is doing life with people. And doing life with people is messy. Tell your neighbor, say, doing life with people is messy. Why? Because people are people. Have you ever come home and been like, I'm going to have a really good day with my spouse? And then they say this one thing and then a good day go bad real fast? <laughs> you didn't actually go home saying, when I get home, I'm going to tell them about themselves, right? But doing life with people is messy because you went home and you had good intentions of having a good day. And as soon as you walked in, they talked to you about something you didn't do. And you was like, here we go with this. You ever wanted to do something nice for your kids and you look in their room? I ain't taking you nowhere. <laughs> Doing life with people is messy. You ever had a best friend that you agree with everything about? They're amazing. And then you find out that they like something you don't like. You're like, I don't even know you. <laughs> I don't even know you. I tell Pastor Edwin this all the time. I say, listen, the Lord kept you. Because if you had told me when you was dating me that you didn't like Jay-Z, I never would have went out with you. <laughs> How you don't like Jay-Z? He not a Hulk fan. He be saying stuff to me like, I'm going to bring an Alabama. I wish you would bring someone Alabama up in here. <laughs> I was setting on fire. You better not ever in your life. How do you, I'm like, I don't even know you. How do you love Alabama? You ain't never even been to Alabama. <laughs> Doing life with people. Now that's funny stuff, right? That's funny stuff. But what about when you find out that you have a friend that's selfish because they were never taught generosity like you were in your family. I'll never forget I had a friend one time. We lived together, and I put all my food in the refrigerator so she could eat. She put all her food in the room. I'm like, what? What is this? But people live how they live until somebody teach them something better. And if you get mad and get offended every time somebody doesn't live and do like you do, how would they ever even know to do better? That's why we say to people at this church, we say, hey, listen, I know you probably come from churches where it's messy. Number one, this room too small to be messy. Number two, it's too many people who are recovering from fighting to be messy, okay? That's just, I mean, we, we growing and becoming. And we believe in God, but if it get messy enough and it feel like the club, it ain't going to go well. So here's what we're going to do to avoid that, right? If you have something to say about Jennifer, say it to Jennifer. If you cannot say it to Jennifer, do not say it. Well, I'm going to come tell the pastor, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if you have a fault with your brother, go to your brother first 
not your best friend, not your mama. It says when you have a problem with somebody, go to them first. If you can't resolve it with them, then you get help. But the truth of it is that most of us have been trained to talk about our issue with somebody before we ever talk to them. So everybody in the room know you got a problem with Jennifer, but Jennifer. So you got to say, that's not what we do here. And then you got to give people the grace as they do it. Go, wait, hold on. Have you talked to Jennifer about that yet? No, no, you got to talk to her before you talk to me. Because doing life with people is messy. God will have you give money to somebody. You'll believe they're going to do better. They're not going to do better this time. That's why you should give it because he told you to. Because they're not going to do better this time. But let me ask you this. How many things in your life do you know you should do better, but you're still not doing better yet? Some of you every Monday, I'm going to walk this week. I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk this week. Tuesday, I'm going to walk. Wednesday, I'm going to walk. Friday. Guess I'll start on Monday. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? If you just stop and think about in your own life the stuff that you don't get right the first time, the 15th time, the 50th time, how many times someone has to give you another chance, how many times God gives you another chance, it'll make you a lot more gracious to other people. Tell your neighbor, say, people. Matter. matter even the ones, even the ones that, irritate that irritate you turn and tell somebody else that say people matter, people matter. even the ones, even the ones that, irritate that irritate you this kingdom stuff right here we've been talking to the church about having a heart to grow well here's the thing if you grow everybody not gonna be like you People didn't grow. My grandma used to say this to me all the time. I didn't understand it for years. She would say, why are you mad at someone for not being like you when they weren't raised like you? Why, why are you mad? Why are you aggravated? Why are you offended with somebody for not knowing what you know when you only know what you know because we taught you? Everybody should know that. It should be common sense. No, common sense is based on the common area you've been in. Common sense isn't common to everybody. Common sense based, is based on what's common to you. Amen. Let's go to Isaiah 119 because we're talking about why obedience matters. Obedience matters. Listen, I'm not trying to get you working to go to heaven because you don't have enough work you can do to go to heaven. The only thing you can do to go to heaven is to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. But there is some obedience that you can do in the earth that will make your life better. And some of that obedience involves your engagement with other people. It says if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Everybody say this. Say, I was not, I was not called, called to do life alone. You're not called to do life alone. None of us are smart enough. None of us are wise enough. None of us are well supplied enough not to need other people. 
And the problem with doing life with other people is that other people are irritating. <laughs> to me, there is no better display of this than married people. You and God gives you somebody who's different than you. And then you spend your life trying to make them like you. Like he, like he intentionally gave you somebody who was different from you so that you would be covered in the areas that you're weak in. And then you spend your life trying to make them like you. If he would just do it like I do it, then he would be you. People do it with their kids. Hey, can I help you? Just because you're great at something don't mean your kids will be. Just because your kids are great at it don't mean you want, they want to do it like you did it. I was a cheerleader. You should be a cheerleader. Mom, I think that's stupid. I want to play volleyball. You got your baby out there in tumble class. She crying every week. You trying to make her tumble? You go cheer. You go cheer. No, you go play basketball. My mom played basketball. My grandma played basketball. You go play basketball too. You don't even know that their genius may be in poetry. Our tendency is to try to make people like us instead of trying to respect the differences God put in them. You know that God is not interested in us being all alike. You can look at the trees and tell that. I mean, if God was into sameness, why not just make all the trees pine, tr pine trees? Just all pine trees everywhere you go. It's trees they don't even have in America and other parts of the world. God is not into us all being the same. But if we don't love people enough, we can't respect when people are different. We also don't respect when people are growing and becoming on the journey. Everybody's growing and becoming. You may have mastered this. You haven't mastered everything. So you got to give grace to people because you're going to need grace. Oh, they get on my nerves. I heard this pastor say this so the other day, and I, I just, this blessed me so much. Christians who can't be around people who curse. How you going to touch a world that you despise? I can't go to the barbershop. They cuss. The barbershop ain't the church. I can't be around them because they drink wine. Are they forcing wine down your throat? Where would you go to get people to connect to Jesus if you only want to be around people who already connected to Jesus? Well, I don't want that to get on me. The blood's so weak. No, no. If you go in an environment where they cuss and you cuss, that ain't the blood. That's your lack of discipline. You don't want to be around them because you secretly want to cuss anyway. <laughs> you want to cuss anyway, and they get to throwing them cuss words around, and before you know it, you like, ah, me too. <laughs> but, it, but think about the people that Jesus hung out with. You think about this. If Jesus lived right now, if Jesus was on the earth right now, most church people would be talking about Jesus on Facebook. They be like, I know Jesus went out in that no rap concert. 
I know Jesus didn't sit down and have lunch with them. That's what they said about him when he walked. I know he's not talking to the prostitute. Who else would Jesus talk to? And if you like him, who else would you talk to? If all the people got to be like you, you're not kingdom-minded. Amen. I'm going to give y'all some steps. Let's look at Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 8. Let's Deuteronomy 28. I'm sorry, 1 through 8. We'll look at these verses, and I'm going to wrap up with some scripture because we're almost done. Say, people matter. matter. Say, people matter to God. So people matter to me. I know for some of you that's a faith statement. You don't mean it yet, but if you keep saying it, people will matter to you. People have to matter to you. Not just when they're happy, when they're going through, when they're still doing stupid stuff, when you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe i got to have this conversation again. And you had a conversation again because Jesus has the conversation with you again. You ain't, you've never shown up to the Lord brokenhearted, and he like, what you want me to do? Didn't I tell you? You show up to the Lord brokenhearted, 15th dude done broke your heart. Jesus bring you in. He be like, listen, I love you. I want you to know how valuable you are to me. If you'll just hang out with me some, I'll help you pick better because I hate to see you go through this. But some of us pop our kids and we have to explain a math problem twice. Two plus three is what? Five is four. No grace and mercy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Like where's your grace and mercy toward people? Because broken people are looking for somebody who can love on them. And if you get broken people to come to church, the people in the church got to love on them. Say, we are called to love people. I'm going to have us keep saying these things because we want, okay, so let's look at Deuteronomy 28 because we're talking about like this blessing, this blessing of expansion, right? But some of you, God is giving you ideas for businesses. And yes, the business will bless you financially, but if your business doesn't look like Jesus, then you may have more money, but you're missing the lives you're supposed to touch. one interesting thing I noticed like the Bible says in Genesis 12 it says that he will bless you to be a blessing right he will bless you to be a blessing so God will give you wisdom in an area he'll give you favor in an area he'll cause you to increase in an area and then you aggravate it because the people coming to you who else would they come to you're blessed to be a blessing so when people start seeing your life work in an area They want to talk to you because they want to know how it works. Right? But if people bother you, then when people try to talk to you about the things they need to do to make their life better, you aggravate it. So you got to love people. As families, you got to start with the love that we display to each other. One of the fastest ways to turn your kids against the Lord it's for you to be two different people. At church, you like, how you doing? Blessed. I'm blessed. Highly favored. The spirit of the Lord is in this place. Yes. Yes. 
I feel God. I feel God. You get in the car. Mama, can we get something to eat? Don't ask me nothing. We eat when we get home. If you live a double life, you will make your kids run from God. You got to be the same at home. And this is how you know people can be better, right? This used to make me so mad about Edwin. We'd be, on the, we'd be arguing, right? Like we in a full-fledged argument. The phone ringing his boss. Baby, he ain't got no argument voice. Hello, how can I help you? What? Wait, because if you can flip that fast for him, I'm just going to say this. I don't know who this is for, but I feel like the Lord is telling me to say this. You're married, and you're living in your house, and you don't speak to your spouse. You're teaching your kids bad principles. You're teaching your kids very hurtful things. You're teaching your daughters that that you're teaching your daughters and your sons that it's okay to be in a relationship with somebody and withhold your affection and withhold your communication as a tool of punishment. People always say, church kids the worst, preachers kids even worse. You know why that is? Because most people don't live the same as they live at home. You can't be two people. That's what transform. You can't have a church life. And the rest of the life. You can't be in here shouting and praising the Lord and at work you mean and you go to work late and you, and you take extra long lunch break and you steal the pens and you take credit for the project that you weren't on. And then you're like, you should come to church with me. they like, why? So I can learn how to steal time, steal supplies, and steal credit? You got 27 pins on your wall, I'm blessed and highly favored, all of this different stuff, but your work ethic don't match that. Believers should be known for their work ethic. I'm going to say that again for all of the people. Believers should be known for their work ethic. You should be like, I represent the Lord, whether they know it or not, so I work with excellence because I represent the Lord. So I look to solve problems, and I look to work, and I'm not at work spending my whole day doing stuff that they don't pay me to do. That's different because some people have a job, and they're like, hey, you know, when you finish doing your work, you can do whatever you want to do. If you got that kind of job, that's cool. You know what else you can't do as a believer? At work, giving away stuff that ain't yours to give away. I'm going to help you. You work at Subway, Right? You, you don't own Subway. You're not the manager of Subway. You work at Subway. Somebody come in, you get him a cookie. You a thief. It wasn't your cookie to give away. And then the other people on the side are like, woo, favor. No, you just participated in theft. <laughs> and called it a blessing. When people offer me stuff all the time, I always ask them because I used to work in retail, so I know in some places you have some discretionary that you can give to people, right? I always want to know, is this, is, is this within your discretionary? Because you should not lose your job over giving me a cookie. I could buy me a cookie. 
probably don't need it. So see, I'm telling you though, if you go to work, if you go to your home and you don't treat your family well, and you go to your job and you don't treat the people you work with well, and in traffic, you flipping people off because they got in front of you. Some of you, I follow you on Facebook, you angry every day. Can I help you? If you live in, if you live in, the, south, in southern, the southern part, Fayetteville, Springdale, right? And you drive up here, every day it's going to be traffic. Every day. Every day. It's going to be traffic. Why are you mad every day? over traffic you could be listening to some word you could be praying over your office praying over a project getting some insight for your kids but you mad over traffic so you don't spend 27 minutes angry and then all somebody got to do is look at you wrong when you walk in the office if you live up here and you don't leave before the traffic it's going to be traffic. You know what else is going to happen? Somebody going to have a wreck. But how many days have you prayed that nobody would have a wreck today? Father, I pray for the people that are going in front of me. I pray that you would help them. I send angelic assistance to be a part, to keep them safe. I don't want anybody to lose their life or their livelihood. But I know because it's just about you and the fact that you don't want to be caught in traffic. But kingdom people are thinking of more than themselves. Well, all right. Let's, let's skip Deuteronomy. Let's go to Ephesians and let's do these steps. Tell your neighbor, say, if you want to be an ex- a person of expansion, you got to grow up. I mean, when people say, I'm a pastor, right? So this is, people are hilarious to me. When people say, well, I didn't come to church today because I didn't feel like it. I'm sorry, do you think I feel like coming up in here every week? Do you think, um, you just, you thought, because I show up, that I wanted to be here every week? Just like you, some Sunday mornings, especially when it's raining, I'm thinking, we could just, uh, not today. But you know why I show up? Because I got a commitment to you. But do you have a commitment to the house and to each other? Or do you just do what's comfortable for you? Amen. Ephesians 4. We'll do these little steps and we go go on home. Because I can feel y'all salt with me today. <laughs> Man, that salt is so high up in here. Little shade too. I can feel it. But it's okay. We're going to be all right. We'll look at Ephesians 4, 11 through um, 15, no, 11 through 16, uh, 11 through 17 in the Amplified, all right? So I'm going to read to you. It says, and his gifts were varied. He himself appointed and gave men to us, some to be apostles, prophets, preachers, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints. His intention was the perfecting, the perfecting. God wants to perfect us. That may, that's about maturity. That's not about not making a mistake. He wants us, he wants you to be more mature today than you were in January. 
And just because you get older don't mean you get more mature. Maturing is intentional. It's finding out what the heart of God is toward people, finding out what the heart of God is and doing it and sticking the course even when, don't other, when, even when other people don't stick it. You remember when you were kids, some of you remember this, there was this song that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. It says, though, though, if no one joins me, still I will follow. Perfecting comes through that. I'm going to walk in love even if no one does. I'm going to live by faith even if no one does. Perfecting is when you begin to say, I don't care if my husband talk crazy to me. I'm going to honor God with my response. See, life gets different when you start responding with an attempt to honor God as opposed to protect yourself. I'm going to treat people at work with love, honor, and dignity even if I don't think they deserve it. Because I don't know that the person that I show love to, may not, God may not use me to tra totally transform their lives. Because contrary to popular belief, just because people show up crazy and act crazy at you don't mean it have anything to do with you. A lot of times people got a whole lot of issues. They don't have anything to do with you. Sometimes you remind somebody of their mama who was crazy. Sometimes people going through drama at their house and they show up. And even if, they, even if they're acting out, do you have the discipline to be like, I'm going to reflect Christ in my, for the perfecting of, that's what church is designed to do. Church isn't just designed to be a place that makes you feel good. Church is designed to be a place that sometimes make you say, dang, I got to do better. I am not, when school get ready to start, I'm not going to yell in the morning. How many mamas are on the yelling ministry? Some of y'all are the chair people of the ministry. But what if you begin to pray and meditate right now? And you begin to say this. What if, what if your heart was this? Lord, I want my kids to have an amazing day at school. And in the morning, sometimes I get really aggravated because people aren't moving as fast as they need to move. Have I done everything that I could do to ensure that the morning goes smooth? Ah, nobody want to do that. You just like, they just need to go faster. <laughs> That's not the perfecting of the saints. The perfecting of the saints says, am I representing Jesus? Let, let me ask you this. When you talking to your kids, yelling at them, do you even remember that they belong to God? They just don't loan to you. They God kids. You hollering at them, got them all stressed out. They doing that cry. You know that good whooping. They ain't get a whooping, but you know that cry. <laughs> and then you want them to go to school and be to do math. So then they go to school, kick the kid next to them. And you never even think that it's because of the tone you said in the morning. When you're talking to your spouse, do you remember that they belong to God? I'm going to tell on myself, right? So years ago, years, years, years ago, I used to pray that Pastor Edwin get leprosy all the time. Judge me if you want to. I don't care. Anybody ever been in a crazy marriage know that you done prayed some stuff? You may not tell everybody what you done prayed. 
If I used to pray that he would get leprosy, I would be like, listen, when he watched that TV, you let him stretch his hand out there, you let it get leprosy on him. You tell him, don't you treat your wife like that no more. <laughs> I probably prayed it about a year. I did. <laughs> Judge me, I don't care. You got stuff that you be doing. And the Lord said to me one day, he said, you my daughter, but he my son. I care about what he does to you, but I care about what you do. Most people don't pray from that position. Most people only talk to the Lord about what is happening to you. I can't believe they talked to me like that. I can't believe I did. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I ain't even signed up for this. I'm a kid's kid. I'm not putting up with this. But what about what you delivered? You're like little kids. You know like little kids who hit somebody, and then when they get hit, they start crying like they don't understand why they got hit? Some of you like that. Like, you going off, and then when your spouse go off on you, you're like, I can't believe you talked to me like that. You was hollering for 30 minutes. They, didn't even, they was trying to walk away. They was trying to go watch TV. You done took the remote and thrown the remote. You ain't going to watch no TV when I'm trying to talk to you. I know it's at least two couples like that because I'm telling you, I've been married and counseling enough people. I know what people do. So I'm asking you, how do you treat people? Are you allowing yourself to be perfected according to the word? Or do you respond to people according to what you feel? And a lot of you love Jesus, but you're not very disciplined in your obedience once you leave church. And so then you wonder why the abundant life that God is talking about doesn't translate to the rest of your life. I was driving this morning, I was speeding. And you know, I just got to tell you, I really hate when kids start noticing what's happening in the car. And so Canaan's like, Mama, you know you speed? So I'm trying to decide, because you know, like, what should I say now? So this is what I just said. I thought about it about 30 seconds. I said, listen, Canaan. I said, let me go ahead and help you. I speed a lot. And if you go talk to me about every time I speed, you go wear yourself out in this car. <laughs> I said, you just, you're going to wear yourself out. And she said, um, she said, do you know that it's against the law to speed? I said, oh, absolutely, I know it's against the law to speed, which is why if they gave me a ticket, I'd just take it. I said, because you're free to choose your own actions. You're just not free to choose the consequences. I used it as a teaching lesson. The truth of it is, I did feel a little bad, so I slowed down about five miles. I didn't come all the way on the speed limit because I, I don't, I got issues with the speed limit to begin with, all right? But I, I, I made my own progress. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. But I was thinking about this. Here's the challenge for a lot of people. If you operate outside of God's obedience, you got the right to do it, and he ain't going to make you stop. You just can't control the consequences you get for it. You can't always expect everybody else to be the more saved one, the more mature one, the more gracious one, because it ain't always like that. All right? So here are these 10 things I think you need to do if you go be a kingdom person, right? Number one, number one thing. Tell your neighbor, say, I want to grow up. When you think about it, when you was a kid, that's all you wanted to do was grow up. Don't be a believer and want to stay a baby. You couldn't wait to grow up. When you were seven, you couldn't wait to be eight. 
That's why when people ask you how old you were, you were like seven and a half, seven and three quarters. You start saying you was, a, you was eight a month before your birthday. How do you eight? Couldn't wait to be 12. Couldn't wait to be 13. Couldn't wait to be 16. Couldn't wait to be 18. Oh, I can't wait to be 18. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. You ought to have that same kind of maturity as a believer. If I grow up, the Lord don't have to correct me so much. Other people don't have to correct me so much. Here's the simplest way you can live your life. I live my life like this. I live for one purpose. I want to hear God say, well done. I want to hear him say, you did a good job. You did the right thing. That's it would be a lot of things I really want to do throughout the course of the day. And I just go, I don't want to have to talk to the Lord about that. So you know what I'm going to do? The right thing. Do you know you don't even have to want to do the right thing if you train yourself to do it? When I go to the gym every day, I don't want to go. It's a lot of days the whole time I'm in the gym, I'm talking crazy. And then I be through my workout and I go home. You don't have to want to obey to obey. You just got to train yourself to obey. Ain't that what you tell your kids? I don't care whether you want to do it or not. Just do it. I just want to submit this to you because the Bible says everything reproduces after its own kind. If your kids seem disobedient, what are their parents? Your kids disobedient. Are you disobedient? Your kids barely clean their room. Do you barely do your job? You catch your kids in lies. How many lies you tell? Bill collector, tell them mama not home. Oh Lord. Gotcha. You done taught your kid lying. My mama, my mama, my mama said, my mama said she not home. <laughs> my mama said she not home. <laughs> Got the baby line. Your kids fighting, they jealous. You fighting jealous? You got a lot of shade toward other people who's successful? Just because you don't say it out loud don't mean it's not there. Let's do these 10 steps, all right? Number one, if you're going to be kingdom-minded, live the best life that God has for you, be a person that God can trust with, with increase. Number one, you must be willing to obey God at all costs. And all the people said, Amen. You must be willing to obey God at all costs. Obedience is not always easy, but it is always worth it. You think about how proud you are of your kids when they do the right thing, even when you weren't looking. You're so proud of your kids when they make the right choice. If your kid is out somewhere and they like, and they went to a party and they like, Mom, they started drinking, can you come get me? You're so proud of them for doing the right thing even when nobody was looking. The Lord is always looking, but can he trust you to do the right thing when the church ain't looking? Must be willing to obey God at all costs. Number two, you must be willing to use your resources to advance the kingdom. You must be willing to use your resources to advance the kingdom. That means you must be willing to use your resources to advance your local church, 
You should be willing to use your resources to advance your family, and you should be willing to use your resources to advance any endeavor that you're a part of. Research tells us that 20% of the people in church do all the giving and all the working. 20%. If you ever worked in church, you can look around the room. Mm -hmm. You can look around the room and see it's true. It's going to be the same people. And here's what's interesting to me. Like, the, the other people, so here's what ends up happening in the church sometimes. People go, they got a click. And you don't realize that the click started around work. That the click got cool because they was always at church working. And so then you like, I'm not in the click because you ain't do no work. You came late. You left early. So you, that's the reason you didn't know that we was going to dinner because you didn't participate. In, you, you're not a greeter. You're not an usher. You don't help people get in the parking lot. You don't work with the kids. You don't work with the sound. You don't sing on the praise scene. You don't even speak to the people next to you. And then you're like, it's a click and nobody includes me. You don't include you. And then people will have all types of gifts. You, 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 at your job, you a superstar administrator. And then you'll see stuff happen in church, and you'll be like, it would be amazing if they did that. Knowing you could do it. In 10 minutes, you could create the form. In 15 minutes, you could put the thing together. But you're like, child, child, I ain't fooling with them church folks. So I don't do that. You must be willing to use. When I say resources, I'm talking far beyond your money. I'm talking about a hug. I'm talking about a smile. I'm talking about a listening ear. I'm talking about whatever gifts and talents that you have. You can dance. You can create. What can you do? You can administrate. You can organize stuff. Those things ought to be gifts that are brought. you like, dude, I'm going to make this better. I said this morning as we were in church, I was watching Jen seat the people. And I said, Jen, I really like the way you, you're seating the people this morning. You need to make sure all of the greeters understand how to do that. Can you implement that as a policy? She's like, yes, ma'am, I got it. A lot of part, people in the church is that you want to say everything is wrong, but you don't want to do none. Ooh, we need some more. Hey, you saw it? Jump in there. Well, I don't want to serve all the time. No one does. But that's what we do. Well, I got little kids. Listen, I was pregnant all my 30s. Like, I, I literally feel like I, I tried, like, for years, I was pregnant so long that when I stopped being pregnant, none of the clothes that I had was even still in style I was pregnant so long. I was pregnant so long. Pregnant, breastfeeding, up in the middle of the night at church, still teaching, still working in children's church, still doing whatever need I need to be done. Because when God gave you a kid, when God gave you a wife, when God gave you a job, he didn't change that he gave you an assignment to your local church. And if everybody volunteers, nobody has to work all the time. Amen. Amen. They like, hurry up. Okay, yes. Number three. Number three. People are like, I want her to talk about Daniel and the lion den. <laughs> I came here. I ain't come here for all this today. I want you to make me feel good. Serve God and people, you'll feel good. Be a blessing to other people, you'll feel good. You know that some of you are like, I don't have no friends. I'm going to tell you what nobody else will tell you. You don't have no friends because you're not friendly. 
No, that's why you don't have any friends. You don't talk to people. You're not friendly. When people do try to talk to you, you don't say nothing. You act like everybody bothering you. Here's the truth. If you act like everybody bothering you long enough, people stop talking to you. They're like, oh, she just want to come to church. She don't want to talk to nobody. Okay. So some of you, the thing you're missing in your life, you're missing in your life because you aren't that. Some of you not helpers. You at your friend house all the time until it's time to move. They like, I need somebody to help me move. Girl, I ain't helping you move. You gonna be the first one at the couch, on their couch eating pizza when they moved in, watching power, and you can't help move? You can't at least say, if you don't like moving, you can't at least say, you know what? I don't really like to move, but you bring the kids over here and I'll watch all the kids. That's what community is like. That's what community is. Community is. Sometimes it is inconvenient to do what people you love ask you to do. But you do it because you're part of a community. That's expansion. All right. So you got to be willing to use your gifts. Number three, you must be willing to renew your mind and be a student of the kingdom. What would Jesus do? You must be willing to renew your mind and be a student of the kingdom. What would God do in this situation? Well, sometimes you got to use deductive reasoning. You may not know exactly what God would do, but you know that what you're about to do is not what God would do. Sometimes you're like, I don't know what God would say, but these cuss words on the tip of my tongue, that ain't it. And I don't know how God will handle this situation. But this feeling I got of pushing you down, that ain't it. <laughs> right. Renew your mind to become aware. Here's a question I want you to ask yourself. I don't want you to answer it out loud, but I want you to ask yourself. Are you selfish? I, I was telling the people when I was teaching down in Little Rock, I said, here's one way you can know if you're selfish. Real talk. This is an indication of your heart. If somebody eats what you saved for yourself in the refrigerator and you get mad or you want to cry, you're selfish. <laughs> I know you didn't eat my... No, really. You're mad because somebody ate the last four Oreos like they ain't got 200 packages of Oreo down the street from you. You huffing. I can't believe y'all ate my stuff. I can't never have nothing to myself. That's an easy way to know whether you're selfish or not. Am I saying you can't ever have anything to yourself? No, but I'm saying if you are mad at your family over something that can easily be replaced, you selfish. You know another way you can tell you selfish? If you think you got a seat at church and somebody sit in it. And you kind of feel some kind of way. In your, like you don't say nothing, but you came in and you was going to sit right here and you see Rich, you like. 
You selfish. If you keep account of everything you've done for other people, but you don't know the stuff that they've done for you, you selfish. I remember that time I picked up. She picked you up for four years before you had a car. All right, renew your mind. Number four, you must be willing to consistently take the right actions. They say practice makes perfect. That's not true. Perfect practice makes perfect. So I got to practice my responses. You must be willing to consistently take the right actions. So I got to practice. You got to say stuff like this when you're driving home. You got to say stuff like this. I'm going to help some of you. You got to say, based on what I know about my family, somebody did not do something they were supposed to do. But based on my peeps, I know, I know them. I know who they are. And when I come in, I am going to redirect, but I am not going to yell, and I am not going to let it ruin the evening. Now, I, if they didn't wash these dishes, I'm going off on everybody. You got to consistent, you got to practice taking the right actions. You got to practice taking them. One of the rules that you can break selfishness, let me tell you how you can break selfishness. If there's something you find yourself acting funny about sharing, you should give it away. This is the truth. If I'm eat, I love dessert. I love, that's my thing, right? I'm like, I will buy you a dessert, but please don't ask for none of my dessert. I'll, I'll buy you one. Don't reach your spoon over here, though. <laughs> but what I find about myself is that if I get a dessert and someone does ask to taste it and I feel something in my heart, I just give it to them. That's how you discipline yourself not to be selfish. You know how you discipline yourself to be a giver? If the Lord say give $20 and you feel some kind of way, you make yourself give 30. You train yourself to obey God. So I'm like, I'm only giving seven. He asked for 20, I'm going to give seven. Grace will make up the rest. No, you train yourself. You train yourself. You say self, if you selfish, we'll give it all away. Another way you can determine whether you're selfish, because I'm still talking about right action, I'm comparing these things. Look at what you give away. Look at what you take to goodwill. You know nobody want that mess. <laughs> Don't nobody want that mess. Burn that mess up. Don't take that time out. You trying to feel good. That's some, it was, it was. You don't want the inside of the jean leg out. Don't take that up there and try to get it to nobody. Amen. Number five, we go stop here. You must be willing to bring your mouth into agreement with God. Whoo, and this is part of the hardest part. You must be willing to bring your mouth into alignment with God. Just some simple things. Don't say always and never about people. Don't say that about people. If you can change, God can change other people. You don't never think about nobody else. And then next week they ain't think about nobody else and you don't understand why. Like you just told them they don't never think about nobody else. Sometimes you have to say, hey, you might want to think about the rest of the family. 
Like when you went to the store and you got that Sonic drink, you could have just texted everybody and said, hey, y'all want a drink too? Instead of coming in with the cup tone, ooh, this show is good. Um, other people here, at least drink it in the car, but don't come in with it talking about, ooh, this Megatron slush is good. You got to bring, what do you say about people? What do you, even when you're frustrated, what do you say about your kids? A lot of people live with the curse that their parents spoke over them. Why would you tell your kid they ain't going to never be nothing? Why would you say that? Why would you say to anybody they never going to be anything? Even if they don't, you know, do you know what, you, you know it doesn't take any amount of discernment to tell people what's wrong with them. All you need is eyes to see what's wrong with people. You know how you bring out the best in people? Research shows that you can take a kid to school. You can take a kid that's acting out in school. You can start telling them how great they are, how amazing they are, what a superstar they are, and kids will modify their behavior. Because we become the words that are spoken over us. So if we like, I'm a, you know what, every year in the beginning of school, I get sick. Why would you say that? Do you like being sick? You should be saying, you know what, I believe this year, God go give me the wisdom. When my kids go back to school, I'm not getting sick this year. I'm going to take care of my body. I'm going to make sure I'm getting the right vitamin C. I'm drinking water. I'm believing God. I'm going to take care of myself. Bring your mouth into alignment with God, especially over other people. Because you don't know that God might not use your words to speak life into somebody's dead situation. Can people trust you? If they call you about their marriage, do you tell them what God said or you tell them what you would do? Can people trust you? If people going through, do you have church advice and world advice? Well, girl, I know the pastor say you shouldn't fornicate, but girl, he fine. I understand if you do. He fine. I done got caught up too. Like, can people trust you? Can people trust you to give, or do you have church advice and the rest of your advice? All right, so I just want to encourage you. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to kind of end like this. At FOC, we give our offering last. If you're a, a guest, a visitor you want to give, we'd appreciate it. If you don't, God bless you. We're glad you're here, FOC partners. You know what we do. But here's what I want you to do. This is how we're going to end service today. We're going to end service by I am going to ask you to find two people that you do not normally talk to or do not know. And I want you to find out one thing about them, and I want you to tell them one thing about yourself. And then I want you to ask them, is there anything that you can pray for them about? Now, if you go do that for two people, you may need to take your phone, but don't be on Facebook, just take the notes so you can remember what to pray for them about. Don't be on Facebook while the people trying to talk. Girl, what you say? Where you say you're from? But so many people go to church and they don't get touched by anybody. 
So I'm asking you for Friends and Family Sunday, let's make sure nobody leaves here without a touch. Introduce yourself, tell them one thing about yourself, learn one thing about them, ask them if there's something that you can pray for them about. Those of you who know you ain't going to remember to pray, go ahead and pray right now. If you don't feel comfortable praying out loud, just hold a hand and pray silently. But go ahead and pray. But don't, don't lie to the people telling you go pray for them and then don't pray for them. But I'm asking you, if you will, stretch yourself and not let anybody leave this church today feeling like that they don't matter, that you're not glad to see them, and that you wouldn't love to see them again, all right? So you guys can bring the offering baskets. You guys can just set them there. FOC, when you give, when you, give the, you can just put them in there. And those of you just move out, let's love on people today. Thank you guys for coming. If you don't have a church home, come back again. If you need specific prayer for something, I'll stand here. I'm willing to pray with you today. Um, so let's take care of people.